Okay. Right, so the truth is, Tuesday mornings is my wife's slot, so I'm, not, I'm just I'm just filling in. I'm just filling in. A little vacation. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, Rosh Hashanah is a nice thing. So, um, so first of all, again, just uh, you know, really what my wife just mentioned. First of all, a big shkayach, and really thank you to Mr. and Mrs. Helfgott for opening the home to allow us to come in. You know, it's uh, it's already it's cold outside, but it's warm in here. Rosh Hashanah. So Hashem should bless you and the whole mishpacha with continued nachas and atzlacha and simcha and bracha. And also the learning this morning is going to be Lila Mishmas Chayita Bas Yaakov. And with that, like I usually say, when things go up, good things come down. And only Shev Bracha and Atzlacha should come to the whole mishpacha. Okay, so, you know, usually when we get together... Uh, in the beginning of a new month, so we have to talk about what the month is about. So, you know, when, when, when it comes to the month of Shvat, so when you think of Shvat, the first thing that has to come to the mind is Tu B'Shvat, month of Tu B'Shvat. So we know that Tu B'Shvat is the 15th of the month. Tu B'Shvat is a day where, according to Chazal, the trees begin to uh, sort of, the, the energy of the trees begin to concentrate and begin to, they come back to life, and what's eventually going to emerge as new fruit and, and movement and growth, it begins on Tu B'Shvat, which means that when we think of the month of Shvat, and we therefore think of Tu B'Shvat, it means that the whole month of Shvat is a month of life. That's really what it's about, a month of life, a month of Chiyas. For example, the, um, in the, in the, there's a book that we have called Sefer Yitzira, the Book of Creation. It goes back to Avram Avinu, and in Sefer Yitzira, it says that every single month is connected with a particular letter of the Aleph base. So again, it's also one of those things. If we, if we want to identify what the month is about, then you look at that particular letter. The letter of the month of Shvat is the letter Tzadik. Letter Tzadik. Now, the letter Tzadik is very much associated with this idea of being alive. Of being alive. Tzadik be'emunoso yichya. The Tzadik is alive from his faith, through his faith. The Tzadik is alive. The person in Jewish history that, in Tanakh, that we associate with Tzadik is Yosef HaTzadik, right? We, we call him Yosef HaTzadik. And it says about Yosef, Yosef HaTzadik was the one person that, they, that Yaakov even thought he was dead. Oh, Yosef Chai. Yosef is still alive. He needs to be alive. The Sefer Yitzir, for example, goes on to say that the month of Shvat is also associated with eating. With eating. Why? Similar idea. Eating is what we do to sustain life, to keep life going, to keep life going. So Tu B'Shvat, Shvat, Tu B'Shvat, it's all related to this idea of life, of life, of movement, of movement. Now, when we think about, when we think about uh, this idea of being alive, life is always associated with movement, with movement, with something moving from where they are in that particular spot, looking forward and anticipating towards to go somewhere else. That's what life, that's what defines life. Like, you know, the EKG up and down movement is, so, is associated with life. Uh, for example, there's, um, there's a category of angels which are called chayos. We say this in Davin, we reference chayos. The word chayos comes from the word chay, which means alive. In the Sefer Yechezkel, it describes what these angels do. And it says, Vachayos, Ratzavashov, they're running, they're moving, moving, moving. Chayos always means, life always means movement, always means movement. It means, so now let's, let's understand. If we're, again, the idea over here is that Shvat is a month of life. So if we can identify what it means to be alive, what's the definition of life, 
then we'll be able to more hone in more specifically on what the avoda, what the month of Shvat is about, what we're supposed to work on, what we're supposed to try to, uh, you know, find within ourselves. So life is associated with movement. Now, what does that mean exactly? So, I mean, you, the movement can literally be from moving from one place to another place. But in a more, um, you know, in a more subtle sense, movement means also moving from the present towards the future. That's also movement, right? Moving from the present towards the future. The meaning of life, therefore, is not being where you are. It means being future-oriented. It means having goals. It means going weiter. It means moving forward. I'll give an example. Yosef HaTzadik, right? Who, as I said, is the Tzadik, and he's alive. Oh, Yosef Chai. Yosef is someone that, for example, when Paro has the dreams, right? Remember the story of Paro has the dreams? And Yosef interprets the dreams, right? That, uh, that uh, there's going to be seven years of, of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. So what does Yosef do? So he doesn't just interpret the dreams. Yosef says, okay, and now what we're going to do is plan towards the future. We're going to, not, we're going to take this piece of information we just have right now, which is there's going to be seven years of plenty, and we're not just going to make the mistake of just living in the moment and just eating everything we have right now. We're going to... We're going to be alive. We're going to be in the present, but we're going to be focused and anticipating the future. And we're going to, therefore, live accordingly. And we're therefore not going to eat everything we have. We're going to plan it away. We're going to put it away and so on. And that's what Yosef Tzadik is. Being alive, which is the month of Shvat, being alive means moving. Moving means living right now, but not really living right now living in the future, seeing the future, directing your life based on what your future wants to be about. This is, by the way, the, the, this is the definition of a tzaddik. What makes a person a tzaddik or a tzaddik is, is what? Is that they're living in this world, but they're always thinking about the future, right? What is the Ramchal, Moshe Chaim He wrote a sefer called Mesil Sisharm, right? Path of, the, path of the just, path of the righteous. So in the beginning of Mesil Sisharm, which is basically ethics and musr and just how to eventually be a tzaddik. So what's the opening line over there? The opening line in Mesil Sharm is that Yisod HaChasidus V'shorosh Havod HaTamila that the, the foundation of righteousness and, uh, and the root of real, true, divine service is is that it has to become absolutely clear and truthful to a person what is your responsibility in this world? And the Rechal goes on to say in order to clarify that you have to be thinking about the future. Right, a person who is just purely right now, then there's no goals, there's no tachlis. That's not called being alive. Life means movement. It can mean movement from one place to another place, but in a more subtle sense, it means moving from present towards the future. That's what it means. This is why the month of Shvat, which is about month of life, letter tzaddik, who's alive with his amuna, like Yosef tzaddik, Tuba Shvat is a celebration of trees. How do we, it's the Rosh Hashanah of trees, right? But how do we, what, in what sense, how do we celebrate trees? By eating their fruit, right? The tree is what it is right now. The fruit is what it's going to be in the future. Fruit always means being future-oriented. This is what you're going to be. I'll give an example. Um, the constellation for the month of Shvat is Dali. Dali is a bucket. A bucket. What is a bucket? A bucket's nothing. Right? A bucket is that you have... Uh, you know, a spring of water, a lake, whatever is a pond, 
and you have to get water in that other place. So a bucket is a way to take something that's here and bring it somewhere else. That's what a dali is. That's the month of Shvat. Month of Shvat means movement. Uh, another example, the, the, there's a major historical event that took place in the month of Shvat. Maybe, maybe a lot of people are not aware of this, but the whole Sefer Dvarim, when Moshe Rabbeinu begins to give his last speech, <coughs> really to expound the Torah and to introduce the Jewish people to Tarsh Baal Peh, to the Oral Torah, right? Because if you think about it, until the very end of Moshe's life, of course there was the Oral Torah on some level, but the dominant, the dominant feature of Torah that was most pronounced during all those 40 years was Tarsh Baal was the written Torah. At the end of Moshe's life, where he begins to introduce the Jewish people what life is going to be when he's not there, so he introduces the Jewish people to the concept of the Oral Torah, of the Chachamim thinking about what is life going to be in a moment from now? What are some mistakes that, God forbid, a person can make and creating some measures to protect the person? That mindset. What, what is, in other words, what's Tarsh Balpeh? Tarsh Balpeh is, we know what the truth is of Tarsh Sav, but now let's anticipate, let's anticipate what's going to be in the future and, and guide our lives accordingly, right? That's what, for example, on Shabbos, the Torah doesn't say that you're not allowed to touch a pen. The Torah says you're not allowed to write. The Chazal come with Tarsh Pen and say, one second, let, well, let's anticipate. Let's think about this for a second. The person is accustomed to writing. And if they walk into their, you know, uh, to the den or something, and there's a pen there and a piece of paper, they might forget, they might think, you know, they might uh, forget a Shabbos and just quickly write something down. So therefore Chazal come anticipating the future. And they say, okay, let, now let's create a safeguard to protect that eventuality from ever happening. So they create Muksa. That's what Tarsh Pen is. And all of Sefer Dvarim is sort of Moshe Rabbeinu introducing us to this idea. All of Sefer Dvarim is Moshe Rabbeinu warning us about what's going to be when you go to Eretz Yisrael. Think about this. When you go to Eretz Yisrael, you're going to now face nations that you never met before. You're going to be in situations that you never had before. You're going to have temptations you never had before. New environments. And right now, says Moshe Rabbeinu, right now, plan towards the future. And think about it. Think about what's important to you. Establish what type of life you want to live in the future and guide yourself accordingly. When did Sefer Dvarim begin? The day that Moshe Rabbeinu began to talk about Sefer Dvarim was Rosh Chodesh Shvat. Because that's what Rosh Chodesh Shvat is about. That's what the month of Shvat is. Future-oriented. It's the bucket. How to take something from here and move it to somewhere else. How do you live a life where you're focused on the future? This is why I said the, the month of Shvat is also very much connected to eating. right? Because eating sustains life. But if we think about it, eating is the huge um, test of whether you're living in the moment or whether you're thinking about the future, right? We all know this, right? If, if there's a, there's, the Rebbe made us in such a way where there's a very strong drive when it comes to eating to just be here right now, right? And, and that means, like, who, the, you know, Yossi of right now wants to eat a bagel. Yossi in 15 minutes from now would, would be very upset if I ate a bagel. You know what I'm saying? So now there's a conflict. There's a person right now versus the person of who you want to be in 20 minutes from now. And that's the question of eating. So for example, the Rambam, when he, in, in, uh, in Hilchas Yisori HaTorah, where he, uh, Hilchas Deus, I'm sorry, where he talks about, you know, how a person should guide their lives and what mentality they should have with living. So Rambam gives an example of eating. And he says that eating is a huge um, moment of opportunity to live in this way of really being alive of being future-oriented, of deciding what you want to do because of who you want to be in 15 minutes. 
And that means eating healthfully, it means making brachas, and so on. And that's a huge, that's the huge test. That's why Tubisha is associated with eating as well, because that's the moment of, am I living now, or am I living in the future? So that's so far what we have. That the month of Tubishva, the month of Shvat, uh, with the Yantav of Tubishva in the center of it, is all about being alive, it's about being a tzaddik. Tzaddik, the Pasik says, Ochal Lasova Nafsho, the tzaddik eats to sustain his soul. He's thinking about his soul. And when I'm eating, the tzaddik says, I'm eating for the purposes of having good energy to do mitzvahs in the future. So therefore, I'm going to guide what I'm eating right now towards that. That's why I'm doing whatever I'm doing is in order to have a better future. That's the tzaddik. That's Moshe Rabbeinu giving us introduction to Devarim, which is all about you know, thinking about the future, thinking about stumbling blocks that might come, according, uh, might come along the way, not just anticipating issues around the corner. That's all the Shvat. Shvat is about fruit, what's going to be in the future. That's all Shvat. Okay, sounds good, yeah? Here's the big problem. The big problem is that there's a, a concept that we find in many Svarim. There's a, in the Kutumran of Renachem Rebesov, he brings this out in a very strong way. And it would seem to be, just a couple lines, it would seem to be mamish the opposite of everything I just said. So everything I just said so far is about what? Is that really being a tzaddik and a tzaddikis means that you're not living right now. You're living, you're living with your eyes in 15 minutes from now. That's, that's what a tzaddik lives like. That's what a tzaddikis is. Rabbi Nachman says like this. He quotes a pasuk in Tehillim. It says in pasuk, Hayoyim in That today you have to listen to Hashem's voice. Rabbi Nachman says like this, Zekal Gadol Bavadis Hashem. This following idea is a great principle in serving Hashem. What? Shalayasim Leneged Einav Kim Oisei Hayon. That all a person should be thinking about is right now. Is right now. Seems like the opposite of everything I've been saying. Hain Beisa Kaparnasa Vistar Chusai. When it comes to Parnasas also, just think about what you need today. Shalayashab Miyam Lechaber. Don't think about what's going to be tomorrow. And so too with the Buddha Hashem, all person should be thinking about is today, not any more than today, this very moment. And he says like this, because when a person is entering into that world of serving Hashem, it could become very overwhelming. A person says, okay, you know what? From now on, I am never going to do uh, X. That's a big undertaking from now on. From now on, it's 220. That could be a long time. It could be overwhelming. So Rabbi Nachman says, therefore, don't think like that. Don't think about the future, what I'm going to be for the rest of my life. There's no rest of your life. It's right now. Rabbi Nachman goes on to say, not only is this a good psychological trick, it's the absolute truth. It's the absolute truth. Because in truth, all we have is right now. What, as, as the famous uh, saying goes, it's not clear where this saying comes from, but it's a saying that the Jewish people have. Ha'avar ayin, right, the past is gone. Ve'asid adayin, the future has not yet come to be. Ve'ahayv is karifayin, and the moment is, is, is passing right now in front of you. So da'agamana, what are you worried about? It's just what's in front of you. This is very true. I mean, we, we, I was talking to some of the guys this morning about this idea, where one of the basic things of Yiddishkeit that we all know, but we don't think about enough, is the fact that there's a God, okay, fine, good, but that we're created, that we were created. Now, okay, obviously we're created, we all know that, we don't, we don't, none of us think that we've always been here, but to really, really begin to think about that idea that we weren't always here, 
And the fact that we're here is because Hashem made us and Hashem created us. Because you know what that means? That means there is no past. It's irrelevant. Hashem is making us right now. And there is no future. Because what's going to be in a moment from now? Who, I don't... I, 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 a moment from now doesn't exist to me. I have to be recreated in the next moment. It's, it's outside of my jurisdiction. All literally I have is the, is the present moment. Like Rabbi Nachman goes on to say, that all person has is that moment, that day. That's all we have. So not only is it necessary for a person to be hyper-focused on the moment in order not to be overwhelmed by undertaking an entire future, but it's simply, it's simply the truth. The truth is all we have is right now. So here's the question. So I don't get it. Which one is it? Does the tzaddik, like Yosef tzaddik, is he always planning for the future? See, if you take this paragraph, just, and you live with it, right? So when Yosef tzaddik interpreted the dreams, then what should his response to Paro be? Well, all we have is today anyway. It's all we have. So you might as well just make brachas, enjoy the bounty that Hashem has given you, because seven years from now, seven years, I don't know what's going to be in two minutes from now. Who's, who guarantees that we have 30 seconds from now? So you're going to tell me that I'm going to supposed to think about seven years from now? The Rav Hashem gave you a bracha right now. Can you? You can. I can hear a, a tzaddik say this, right? You know, uh, you know. You ask someone, you know, a rebbe or rebbe, and you know, what should I do? Uh, the Rav Hashem gave me this bracha. Should I save it for the future? Maybe the Rav Hashem wants me to enjoy it right now. I can hear someone reading this paragraph and say, you know what? All you have is right now. The Rav Hashem is giving you a blessing, so embrace it. Don't worry about what's going to be in a moment from now that's going to be taken away. Enjoy it right now. This, you know, when a person goes through a miracle, you know, back in the times of the Beis Hamikdash, let's say, you know, they, they were sick, they got out of the hospital, or they were uh, they traveled over the desert or through the ocean, some dangerous situation. So nowadays, we bench gomel, right? The, the the guy goes to shul, he gets an aliyah, and he makes a berachas gomel. So, the uh, and back in the Beis Hamikdash, there was a special carbon you would bring, a carbon toda, Thanksgiving sacrifice. What's interesting is, is that when it comes to a carbon toda. Most sacrifices, you have a couple days to eat it. Some three days, some two days, but definitely more than one day. The only carbon that we have, that only a couple carbons, but one carbon that we're talking about right now, that you only have that particular day to eat it, and that's it, is the carbon toda. Why? Because that's the idea of a carbon toda. You say, thank you for what you have right now. So, so here's the problem. So you see the, the contradiction that's, that's being raised over here. The whole month of Shvat is what is a month about life, is a month about being a tzaddik, about eating properly, which is always thinking about the future. And Yosef tzaddik does not say to Paro, just enjoy the seven years of plenty, that's what Hashem has given you. No. Yosef tzaddik says, you have to think about the, what's going to come after the years of plenty. But yet, on the other hand, Rabbi Nachman is telling us, Hayom, that it's all about today, that's all we have. Atem hadveikim Hashem elokeichem, you are attached to Hashem, chayim kulchem, and you are alive, and you have to live with that, what? Hayom, today, that's all you have. Which one is it? The truth is, if we think about it, it's going to sound a little bit interesting, but if we think about it, this dynamic of am I living in the future or am I living in the present, we find this whenever you make a bracha. I know my wife is giving shiram about uh, brachas right now. So, so when a person makes a bracha, we know that, you know, let's say I want to drink a cup of water. So I make a shakal. And if anyone's listening... Listeners respond Amen. Now that's, if we think about it, that's not just like two separate things. The Gemara says 
that the completion of a bracha is for someone to respond amen. You'll find, my was telling me this, that many people, they'll go out of their way to find, some, if they're going to make a bracha, let's say, berchus hashachar or, or mazonos, whatever it is, they're going to find someone that should be around that I should be able to, that, I should, that they should hear it to be able to respond amen. More than that, the Gemara in fact says, Gadol ha'ayna that in truth, on some level, the person saying Amen has more reward, and it's a greater part of the puzzle, greater piece of the puzzle, than the person making the bracha. Let's think about this for a second. If I'm making a shahakal, when I, the person making the bracha is automatically thinking about the future. Why am I making a shahakal? Because I want to drink a cup of water. So what I'm doing right now is absolutely guided by the future. That's what a bracha is. Well, the person saying Amen, why are they saying Amen? Because that's what's in front of them right now. Because they heard a bracha, they're going to say Amen. You see this? So even within, within the context of a bracha, you see this dynamic of the person making the bracha is doing something because of the future. The person responding Amen is doing something because of right now. So which one is it? Why is the bracha for the future? Because every time you make a bracha, let's say a shahako or mezaynas, you're making that bracha because you want to drink a cup of water because you want to eat that, uh, that, uh, that cookie. So it's always about, I want to do something in a few moments from now, so what could I do right now to allow myself to do that? So every bracha is, is geared towards the future. It's trying, to, it's trying to allow you to do something in a few seconds. But the Amin person is not thinking that. The Amin is just, the Amin is just empty. The Amin is, I heard a shakal, I'm responding Amin. What do I get out of it in 10 seconds? No, nothing. And that's not why I'm saying Amin, because it's going to allow me to drink a cup of water. I'm saying Amin, because I heard a bracha. The person making the shahakal is thinking about drinking the cup of water in a few seconds. So how do we, how do we tie this together? So here's, here's the simple truth. Here's the idea. The idea is as follows. The only time we have, like Rabbi Nachman said, he's 100% right. All we have is the present moment. That's all we have. But what do you have to do in the present moment? What's your avayda of the present moment? The avayda of every present moment is going to be defined, listen to these words, are going to be defined based on what, what, what is theoretically in the future. Not what's actually in the future. There is no future. There is no future. But my, what the, what the Rabbanu Shalom wants me to do something this moment right now. 9, I don't know what time it is, 9.56, whatever it is. The Rabbanu Shalom has something to do, wants me to say certain words right now. What words, what am I supposed to be doing in 9.56? What I'm supposed to be doing in 956 is governed based on what would theoretically be in 957 and 958 and 959. But what, but what I'm doing right now, which is going to be decided based on what a theoretical future looks like, is not actually about the future. It's about what I have to do right now. Let's say a person put, you know, puts in a lot of effort to... Okay, you know what? I'll give you an example. Um, yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Tana in the Gemara. It's one of the most amazing, if you really think about it, it's not much an amazing thing. One of the Tanaim in the Gemara, Mishnayis, his name was Shimon Hamasuni. Hamasuni was a place that he came from, Shimon Hamasuni. The Gemara says that he set up a yeshiva. Mamish made a whole, a whole yeshiva system revolving around one <coughs> idea, which is that every time in Chumash and Tanakh that you come to the word S, right, Al of Tav, it's telling you something. There's some lesson to be learned in every single S. Now, in English, S is never translated, right? S is just a filler word in Hebrew. Et, right? It doesn't, doesn't have any English 
translation to it. So when you read it, it just doesn't mean anything. Shema Masuni believed every yes has to tell you something. And he made a whole yeshiva like this, and he set up students and svarim, it's a whole thing. Until the Gemara says he came to one final, one S, that he couldn't come up with what it's coming to add. The Pasuk says, S Hashem Lekechatira, that you should fear Hashem. So Hashem was thinking to himself, how could I, how could the word S add anything to, next to God? I mean, God is God. How could I, if this says in, this says in Pasuk, to fear Hashem, how could I associate anything with God? And because of that, Shimon was said, okay, done. Close up shop. Close up shop. Not that, okay, I'm not sure, we'll get back to it, you know. Done. Close the yeshiva, we're done. Everything I said is completely false. So that the students asked him, he said, Rabbi, like, what about your life's work? It's all been leading up to like having that complete system of every S in Chumash. What's going to be? So Shimon Rosh said, well, at the moment I received reward for trying my best at the time to come up with every S, assuming it would lead to, to completion. It turns out not. So I, I'll, I'll receive reward for my effort then. I'll receive reward for, not, for, not, for moving on to another subject now. And the Gemara says, until Rabbi Kiva came. And Rabbi Kiva finished the job of Shema Masuni, and he said that the word S, in that pasuk of fear Hashem, the word S comes to include a Talmud Chacham. That a Talmud Chacham you should fear just like you fear God himself. So I heard this from one of my Rebbeim, Rizal Gefzin, he used to say, but what does that mean? Like, what made Rabbi Kiva think of that and Shema Masuni couldn't? The answer is when Rabbi Kiva saw Shema Masuni, the Shema Masuni was someone that everything, every S that, they, that he tried to uncover, was always thinking about this bigger picture of what, like his whole yeshiva system. And he was always dreaming about what's going to be towards the end when he finishes every yes. But all of that was because that's what he has to do right now. He, he, his life was governed based on what is the avod of right now. And it's true. So let's go back to Yosef Tzadik. Yosef Tzadik, for example, interprets Paro's dreams. Yosef Tzadik is not saying, like until now there's been like two sides, right? Either I'm just living in the moment, pure moment, without any thought of what's going to be in 10 minutes, or certainly seven years, or I'm completely future-oriented, I'm concerned, I'm busying myself with what's going to be in seven years from now. Either way, unhealthy. Either way, unhealthy. Living purely in the moment, that's not a tzaddik or tzaddikis. That means that you're going to get lost in just eating bagels all day. And you're not thinking future, you're not thinking about result, you're not, you're not alive. You're not alive. On the other hand, if a person is not in the moment and all they're thinking about is the future and everything they do is just in order to lead up to that future, then guess what? You're also not alive because the future doesn't exist and where is your headspace? In some place it doesn't exist and you're never going to be happy. You're always going to be overwhelmed by the different possibilities of the future because we all know this. No one knows the future. So is the future this way or is it that way? I don't know. If, and if, I'm th- and if, and my bra- if that's where my brain is, then of course I'm going to be stressed out right now because I don't, I don't know what the future holds. So what's the answer? Am I supposed to be here or am I supposed to be there? The answer is you're supposed to be here. But what are you supposed to be doing right now in the here? What you're supposed to be doing right now in the here is what the Rabbana Shalom tells you that what you're supposed to do right now is based on what a theoretical future is. But that's just telling you what to do right now. And if what you do right now, which is defined based on what theoretically the future holds, if you're not successful, guess what? You did exactly what you're supposed to do. It's, it doesn't make a difference whether it turns out, whether the tree, the tree actually produces fruit. What you're doing right now is to set up a situation with the moment of right now, the avod of right now, is defined 
based on what a theoretical future could look like and should look like. But that's not why you're doing it. What you're doing is because that's what you have to do right now. When Rabbi Kiva saw Shimon Hamasuni's strength of character, that his whole life was mission-oriented, was goal-oriented to get to that mission, and when that mission did not work out, it didn't phase him at all. So Rabbi Kiva realized this is what Shimon Hamasuni was living like. Shimon Hamasuni was living what? In the very moment. And the very moment was c- contained within it, past and future. You understand? It contained past, present, and future in right now. Because right now, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And how did he figure out what he's supposed to do right now? Based on what the future he would like, you know, based on what a future would look like. But all of that is just to determine what he's supposed to do right now. And that's why he's doing it, because it has to be done right now. So the future is, is set up in order to guide us and to give us a glimpse of what we're supposed to be doing right now. But then why are we doing what we're doing right now? Because that has to be done right now. So it's like the, the exactly. I mean, I mean you, can, you, you guys can tell me that more than uh, than I can. It's right now. No, no, it's, it's the same thing. You're no, you're. Like eventually we'll walk them down the aisle, but like right that's now. That's not what it's about. You want to it's raise your kids. In the moment with them, but also thinking into the future for them. It's It's guiding. It's guiding. <laughs> no, it's 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 defining what the moment needs based on envisioning what the future for this person you want should hold but that all is just telling you what to do right now and what you're doing right now is the point all we have is right now but what are we supposed to be doing right now is guided based on our vision of the future but all of that is just telling us what we're supposed to be doing right now and if that future works out gewaldic and if it doesn't it's also gewaldic it's irrelevant this is what it means that Rabbi Kiva saw Shimon Sunni and said, oh, that's God-like. Because God is also past, present, future. Right? Yud Kevavke means past, present, future. That doesn't just mean that God lives forever. It means that right now contains everything. Past, present, future, it's all one by God. How do we, how do you do that? How, how, do, you, how do you live like that? Well, the answer, we're, we're not, we can't literally live like that. We're bound by time and space. But when a person lives in the moment, and it's fully in the moment, but it's just defining what the moment demands of you based on the past and future. That's called living past, present, and future in a way that's not overwhelming. It's more like living with serenity because there's no fear of what the future will bring. It's just an idea. Exactly. That's why serenity doesn't come from a person not doing something. See, the other option is just like, okay, I'll be in the moment and just, you know, I'm not thinking about the seven years of famine. I'm just... Completely all in in seven years of plenty. It sounds good initially, but that's, that's deeply unsatisfying. It's deeply unsatisfying because every single one of us wants to be alive, and life means moving and accomplishing and doing. But here's the, here's the problem. If I, if I don't do and I don't accomplish, then I feel worthless and I feel completely empty. But if I'm only focused on accomplishing, 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 which is always goal-oriented, and that's where my head is, is in the goal, then I'm always chasing that carrot and I'm never going to get there. And I'm now stressed out about what's going to be. The answer is, you're in the present. But what the present demand, what you're supposed to be doing in the present is based on your vision of the future. But all of that is just to guide you what the present dictates and what the present demands. And if you do what you can in the present, mission accomplished. It's, it doesn't make a difference of what the future comes up with because guess what? We don't have a future. There is no future. All there is is right now. 
This is the month of Shvat. This is why. This is the difference between the person making the bracha and the person responding Amen. So the person making the bracha, that's about the future. But the person that's, that, that seals the bracha with the Amen, the Amen is reorienting the person making the bracha and is telling the person, you're making the bracha because you want to drink a cup of water in a few seconds from now. But don't lose your perspective. Don't think that what you're doing right now is because of 15 seconds from now. What you're doing right now is being governed based on what you want to be in 15 seconds, but that's telling you what you want to do right now. You understand? So you're not, in other when a person's making a bracha, they can think of it in two ways. Either what I'm doing right now is really meaningless, and it's all just about in 10 seconds from now when I drink a cup of water. That's a mistake. Or, no, because I want to drink a cup of water, then that now tells me what I have to do right now. And what I'm doing right now is essentially meaningful by making the bracha. The person saying amen, and amen is completely in the moment, Amen seals the bracha. Amen redefines the experience. Amen says that what you're doing is purely about right now. How do you know what to do right now? Based on what you want to do in 15 seconds from now. But it's all about what you're doing right now. 15 seconds from now is just guiding you to what you need to be doing right now. This is why the Gemara says that the Amen is greater than the, than the bracha itself. Because Amen is the, is the framework through which the entire bracha has to be seen. Again, a bracha means doing something for the future. But what does it mean for the future? Does it mean I'm Amish living in the future? No. Amen says you're living in right now. But what you have to do right now has to be based on your vision of the future. But your vision of the future is just telling you what to do right now and for right now. This is why even, it's an amazing thing, this is all the letter Tzadik, right? The letter Tzadik is, is the month of Shvat. So we know that there, there's a concept that Chazal, David Melch himself, uh, you know, made this decree that a person throughout the day should make a hundred brachas a day, right? That's such a thing. And you go through the usual schedule of davening and, and eating and, you know, the normal functions of a day, you're pretty much close to hundred anyway. But what's l- lesser known, and maybe it's unfortunate, is that people don't realize is that the takana was a hundred brachas a day and 90 amens. 90 amens. What's tzadik? Tzadik numerically equals 90. The tzadik who is Yosef Tzaddik, future, goal, alive, 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 90 Amens. Because what the Tzaddik, the life of the Tzaddik is goal-oriented, future, 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 save money, save the food right now for the seven years of famine. Why? Because that's what you have to do now. That's what you have to do now, not because of the future. Your vision of the future is just telling you what the present demands of you right now. And if the future turns out the way you envisioned, it's Kavadik. And if it doesn't, it's also fine. Because it was all about right now. So the tzaddik, which is all about doing and doing and future-oriented and eating for the purposes of being healthy in a few minutes from now, all future, that same letter tzaddik, which is equals 90, that's the amount of amens you have to make a day. That's the amount of amens you have to make a day. That's why the first, the first Jew to be born, that was Yitzhak Avinu, right? The first Jew was Avram Avinu, but the first, the first fruit, the first fruit was Yitzhak. Yitzhak's parents... Where how old when he was, where, where, when he was how, how old was Avram and Sarah? Avram was hundred, and Yitzchak was ninety. Avram, huh? And so, so yeah, Sarah was ninety. Avram is hundred, and Sarah is ninety. Avram means the bracha. It's a hundred brachas. It's like this is what I'm doing. That's what a guy, the, the, the a male brain is usually in that way of like not being now, just completely thinking of the future and where are you right now? You're in a fetal position. You know, everything's a mess. That's 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 where head. Where, that's where a guy is. But sorry, Menu is Amen. That's even the word Amen 
has the word aim in it, right? The word amin comes from the word amuna. Amuna means faith. Faith comes from right now. Faith means not being able to let go of the past and let go of the future of just being right now. That's amuna. Tzaddik, it says in Pasuk, Tzaddik be'emunaso yechya. That Tzaddik lives because of his faith. Amuna, which is amen, and an aim means to be right now. And of course, what am I supposed to be doing right now is based on what I learned in the past and my vision of the future. But it's all about what I need to be doing right now. Yitzchak Avinu comes to the world from parents that are 190. And between the two of them, doesn't Hashem Yisbaruch say regarding Yitzchak's development, Tavram Avinu, Hashem says to Tavram Avinu, Call it that, that everything Sarah says, listen to her because she knows more than you, right? Because the Amen is greater than the Bracha. That's the idea. So Sarah is greater than Avram. 90 is greater than 100. That's what, that's what it means over here. And that's the letter Tzaddik and that's the, the month of, of Shvat. So the Avod of this month is fruit, fruit, payers, future. What, do I, what type of person do I want to be? What type of person do I want my children to be? What type of person do I want my husband to be? What type of what type of world do I want to be living in? And guide yourself accordingly. But all of that vision that you have is not, it, it's not about the future. It's about what that dictates to you in terms of what you have to do right now. And the voda is right now. And if that future turns out, then it's great. And if it doesn't, mission accomplished either way as long as you did what you have to do right now. That's called living in the moment. Not living in the moment where there is no future and the future doesn't, it doesn't uh, have any bearing. The future has a bearing, but its significance is just defining to you what you have to do right now, and the point is what you're doing right now. All right, let me let me end off with a with a quick story. Um, I, I don't think I, I said this story to you. I apologize if it's a repeat. I apologize, but uh, I think I said it to the guys at some point. I don't, I don't think I've ever said it to you. Mine is like this. There was um, you know back in the day in Europe, the custom was whenever there was a wedding. So the weddings were not in like, you know, uh, a wedding hall. It was done outside, usually by, by a river. And the whole community was invited. It wasn't, uh, it was, uh, you know, there's no, you don't have to make lists. It was just, come on, come on. So Maisa goes, there was a particular community. They were very excited about this wedding, a particular wedding coming up. First of all, Stam, it's always an exciting thing. But in particular, because they heard that the Balshantif himself was going to come to be Masada Kedushin. He's going to come. Uh, you know, officiate, okay? So, the day of the wedding comes, the whole community's there, everyone's excited, and they're all waiting in anticipation for the Baal Shem, and yeah, it's the Baal Shem arrives, and, and the chuppah begins, everyone's very excited. Now, in the meantime, while this, again, this is all happening outside, by the river, so, in the meantime, while the is going on, there's a, a horse and wagon that's driving by, and whoever is in the wagon was not part of the wedding, but he's like rubbernecking, you know, he's just sticking his head out watching what's going on. Now, meanwhile, the Baal Shem Tov is by the chuppah and sees this wagon passing by and the guy sticking his head out the window just to watch. The Baal Shem Tov turns to the chasen Kala and says, we have to take a minute, just, I'm sorry, let's hold off for a second, I have to take care of something. Baal Shem Tov runs to the wagon, has a conversation for a minute or so with the guy in the wagon, and then it comes back and continues the wedding. So it's like, you know, Something's going on over here. Why the Baal Shem Tov would stop Hassan just to talk to that guy that was passing by? So the students of Baal Shem Tov figured it must be that whoever was in that wagon must be like uh, one of the 36 hidden tzaddikim, you know, something special for the Baal Shem Tov to stop in order to, you know, to talk to him. So they figure, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do the best we can after the wedding to track this guy down. We're going to go get a bracha. Must be a big tzaddik. So that's what they do. By the time the wedding's over, 
So they're looking, they're looking, a day, one day, two days, a few days go by, they're searching the surrounding towns to look for that wagon. They didn't see the person so much, but at least the wagon, they noticed. Eventually, eventually, after a few days, they, they're in a particular <coughs> town, and they, see, uh, and they see in front of the house, there's that wagon, it's like parked outside. Oh, they look familiar, so maybe it's the guy. So they knock on the door, and the guy opens the door, yes. He says, hi, are you the owner of that wagon? So he says, yes. He said, let me, let, let me, if you don't mind, this, uh, if we ask you this, a few days ago, were, did you happen to be in this, in this town when there was a wedding? And he said, and he said, yeah. So he said, did you pass by? Like, were you that person? He said, yeah, I was that guy. So now they, they go on the floor, Rebbe, please give us a bracha. He's like, I'm a regular guy, what are you doing? He's like, no, you're not a regular guy. If the Baal Shanta stopped the wedding to talk to you, then clearly you're not a regular person. I'm telling you, I'm just a regular person. You're not, you're lying, stop hiding. Is it, Eventually, after enough prodding, you know, prodding, they were convinced he's not a regular guy. This person's not. So, so then, they, so then, the, then the question is now obvious. So, if you're just a regular guy and just passing by a wedding and you're just like curious and you stuck your head out, then why is the Valshantif like what he say to you? So the person says, uh, "I'd rather not talk about it." So like, you know, <laughs> we're here. We're not moving. Tell us what happened. So he says, "Okay, you want to, this is the nice. He said a few weeks ago. He said, you see the house next door, the neighbor that I have. So me and the neighbor, we're, we're, we're friendly, friendly neighbors. We're not like best of friends, but, you know, we're cordial with each other. And he said that my neighbor, what he does is that for a few months out of the year, he goes on a business trip, whatever, and he makes enough money to support the family for the rest of the year. Okay. So he said, a few weeks ago, I was sitting at home, and I noticed out of my window that my neighbor came back from, from months being gone. And I noticed that when he came, he was carrying like this big bag of all the money that he made, like, you know, like in the cartoons, like a money, you know, on the bag, whatever. So that's the extent of my business knowledge. So he, uh, he has this bag with him and that's what he comes in. Now, the guy's saying, but I noticed that my neighbor, when he came in, he left the bag on the porch and he went inside, probably for a few minutes, whatever it is, and then he was going to come back and get it. But I was thinking to myself, the guy said, he said, like, that's so irresponsible. Like, what if someone were to come and take the money right now? And then all that work would be for nothing, and you have no way to support your family the rest of the year. That's so irresponsible. So I was thinking to myself, the guy says, you know what, I'm going to teach my friend a lesson. I'm going to teach him a lesson. Just to scare him a little bit. Just a little bit, you know? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go. I'm going to take the bag. I'm not stealing it. I'm not, obviously, I'm going to give it back in 10 minutes. But just to, just to, like, you know, you have to be more responsible with your things. Fine. That's what I did. So I went outside. I saw he wasn't there. I took the bag, brought it inside. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I go do something else in the other room. I'm about to return in five minutes. All of a sudden, I hear screaming. What happens? I go, I look at the window. The neighbor came back and he's screaming that someone took my money. The money's gone. And his wife comes out. You know, Yanka, what's wrong? You're not going to believe it. Someone took the money. And now the guy's thinking, like, okay, I can't, I can't go now. You know, and then more than that, then other neighbors start hearing the screaming. Other neighbors come in, and he's, "What happened, Uncle? Someone took my money. I can't believe this." And so now they're 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 now uh, they're they're forming groups to look. You know, <laughs> it's like it's getting out of hand. Like I, like I can't, what am I supposed to do? I have the money. I can't go there now and, and face that scene. Oh my, it's, it's so embarrassing. I can't I can't face that scene. So I figured to myself, he says, "You know what? Okay, let me, let me let me wait overnight. You know, things will calm down." And then tomorrow morning, I'll go quietly and, and return the money. It won't be a big deal. 
Fine, that's what he does. Meanwhile, the next morning, he goes to shul. That's what everyone's talking about. Everyone's talking about the fact that this guy's money's gone. And, and of course, there's now Lashon Hara going on. You know, I saw that guy. He was walking down the block. I think he stood but Crazy stuff. And he says to himself, other people are being accused. And he walks down the block, and there's signs, posters, you know, if found, please return. You know, there's going to reward my... It's, 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 it's snowballing out of control. It's to the point of where he says, after a few days... But I, could, I still am holding the money. Not that I want to steal it, but I, I, can't, I can't bring myself to face the scene of returning it. And it got to the point of where he said, I thought I was, Mom, I was losing my mind. Because every time I'm walking down the block and people are saying hello to me, I'm thinking to myself, what, do they know it's me? They're thinking it's me? Like, he, he's, he, he's Mom's losing it. To the point of where he said, you know what, I, I think I'm just going to have to move. I think I'm just going to have to move. I can't, I can't be here anymore. I can't sleep. I can't eat. And his wife doesn't know what's going on. He's just not... Not himself anymore. He can't even tell his ages. He's beside himself. So this is all like for, for a couple weeks. And he still has the money, but he just can't, he can't do anything about it. So after a couple weeks of really thinking, really debating whether he should, Mamish, pick up his family and move somewhere else, he says to himself, you know what? Let me just clear my head a little bit. Let me just get in my wagon, you know, take a drive. Nowhere in particular, just to clear my head, whatever. So that's what he said he did. I got in my wagon. I was just going left, right, straight, I, nowhere in particular. Until I finally, I, I came across this town, and I see a wedding going on. I'm just like, <coughs> just watching. And then all of a sudden, the rabbi that's there comes running at me. So the student says, and what did he say? So he said, I can't explain it, but this person saying he's a Balshanta, he came over to me, he just looked in my eyes, he said, just three words. He said, it's not too late. He said, it's not too late, four words. It's not too late. And that's all he had to say. And I realized I got strength from that. And I said, you know what? You're right. It's not too late. He turned right around, went back. And he's, this whole time he's thinking to himself, the whole, the whole two weeks he's thinking that I can't return the money. You know why? Because when I return the money, the guy's going to call the cops. He's going to punch me in the face. I'm going to be excommunicated. My whole life is going to unravel. That was the, the future that he was... His envision, envision, vision of the future was completely destroying his present moment. Because what, what's in front of him in the present moment is return the money. That's not yours. But he couldn't do it because of what's going to be in the future. The Baal Shanta told him it's not too late. He turns around, musters all the strength he has, you know, timidly knocks on the door. The guy comes out and, you know, with tears in his eyes, he explains, you know, I did a, it was the dumbest thing. It was, it was so stupid of me. I shouldn't have done this, but, I, you know, I wanted to teach you a lesson. It was like, Mom, it's the worst decision I ever made in my life, but here's the money. And he's bracing himself to get punched in the face. Instead of that, the guy begins to cry and gives him a hug. And, and all the things that he was worried about, of what's going to be when he returns the money, it was all just hevel. It was just vapor. It was just all nonsense. All he had to do was what's in front of him right now. And that's the avod of shvat. Do what's in front of us right now. And yes, what we have to do right now is based on that vision of what the future we want to be. But not to live in the future. A person lives in the future, then it overwhelms the present and you get all mavulbal and confused, and everything is overwhelming if it's just the future. It's all about right now. But we do right now based on what we want our future to be, and then mission accomplished. I have to listen to those words of the Baal Shem, that it's not too late. You keep on doing what you have to do, and whatever the present dictates is what the present does, and the Rabbana Shalom takes care of the rest. Hashem should bless all of us with a good present, with a present that eventually Bez Hashem will lead to a positive future, and that sense of really living, really living in that, in that way of hai hai v'hiya, we should be zeichet to see all the Paris that we want to see in our own lives, in our families, and the whole keel and all of Kali Yisrael. The Vias called Tzedek Meir, Amen. Again, once again, thank you very much for opening your home.